Hello and welcome to another installment of Bar Talk Podcast, bringing you everything you need to know about law via discussions, interviews, and news updates. is the joint annual meeting of the Omaha Bar Association and Metro Omaha Medical Society, our 2020 Medical Legal Dinner, on Thursday, March 5th, 2020. Our guest speaker, Dr. Matthew Garlinghouse, a UNMC neuropsychologist, discussed the topics of THC and CBD for the members. Enjoy. It is a great pleasure to be here. Um, Just a few quick housekeeping things. Uh, I know he was in the right place because I parked next to a Beamer and a guy with a nice Porsche. And dude, the wind caught my door. I'm so sorry, man. <coughs> you can see me afterward. Uh, two, when Dave asked me to come talk, he described this as a two martini lecture, which in my head meant I had to make it long enough for, so I could finish two martinis before I was done talking. Uh, Dave then indicated that the martinis were in fact for you and not for me. And I told him that was fine because I could drink at the office and drive over. And then Dave says, no, no, it's a CE unit. You actually have to be sober. And so I emailed my department chair. And I said, do I really have to be sober? And he said, yes, and you can meet me with HR tomorrow morning. Um, So anyway, the point is um, some of this will be informative and some of this will be in fun. And hopefully it will be a nice dinner conversation. I'm used to lecturing to lawyers and doctors, so please feel free to get up, get on your phones, ignore me, or pretend to be paged and leave. No worries, no worries. Now let's see if I can make this work. There we go. Um, So growing up in the North Bay, I sort of come by some of this knowledge naturally, but we won't go there. And then two, ironically, while I was on fellowship, um, my departmental chair came to me one day, literally, at at Dartmouth, um, very proper, always suit and tie, very different from me. I'm sort of shaggy and frumpy. And he says, literally, he just walks into my office and says, Matt, I want you to build me a bong. I'm like, Alan, you want me to do what? I thought, are you taking new meds? Like, just imagine the most stodgy person you've ever met. And then this is his intro. Matt, I want you to build me a bong. So literally, it's what we did. We got a grant. We spent a million dollars. And I built, yeah, this, this is science, Joe Biden signed off, right? The Vice President of the United States at that moment had to sign off on all the cannabis research in the entire country. So we got our letter from Joe, we got the grant, we got the funding, and I built a bong so people could smoke dope in the MRI scanner. This is science, folks. This is, <clears throat> this is sort of a story of my learning about cannabis and THC. And then, <clears throat> 10 years later, everybody can smoke it in the MRI scanner. Right? You don't need science. We don't need a million-dollar hookah. Um, So I had a wonderful career. I would like to uh, thank my mentors again, Gregory Holmes, uh, Alan Green, uh, Bob Roth, Andy Sakin, Stacey Gruber, uh, from my time when I was at Harvard. Wonderful people doing wonderful things. I am not uh, an international expert. These people are, and I will share what I have learned with you um, from them. So... When you think about pot, this is what we think about, right? This is, I mean, when I'm in high school, this is, this is what cannabis smoking was, right? It's ridiculous. In fact, this guy literally, 
is my college roommate, essentially. <laughs> that was Blake. Blake, I don't even know where he got the money from, but if I stood still long enough, he would try to make a bong out of me. He smoked an intense amount of marijuana. But now, we science the shit out of marijuana. I'm sorry, is that on the podcast? My bad. <clears throat> look, look, the, just imagine the difference. What, 10 years? Maybe? For those of you who have been um, <clears throat> maybe more aware of the national culture, we have literally converted from a bunch of high school guys driving around in the countryside pretending to smoke cannabis, but it's really oregano from their mom's kitchen, <clears throat> to being able to walk down the street and get some Hindu Kush and a cookie. It's remarkable. And the problem is we have to talk about, <clears throat> thank you. <clears throat> We have to talk about culture in order to have this conversation. So yes, the, the, the picture of the testicles there are intentional. And I have a story. <clears throat> so I'm flying out to a conference. Uh, we'd been here, I don't know, a couple of months. And I'm driving on I-80. And this guy passes me in a late model station wagon. <clears throat> And he's got testicles hanging off the back of the late model station wagon. And they're green. And above that is a bumper sticker that says, honk if you like dick. <laughs> and I'm tempted to honk and go, dude, what are you doing? And then I have this moment where I'm like, well, what if perceptually he's challenged? He doesn't get it. And in that moment, I'm flirting. <clears throat> So culture, right? This is, this is the only state I've ever lived in where I see the pink testicles. Maybe they're in other states. I just haven't observed them yet. But you'll see this. I commute on Dodge reliably once a week, just hanging off the back of the truck. And I love it because sometimes, <laughs> sometimes they won't do the cute chain. Sometimes it's literally like a wire coat hanger, and they've just like, worked these things up around the exhaust. What, what, the, what is that? OK, so I can't really bridge the testicle weed culture, but I can get there by grass. So now we're going to talk about grass in Nebraska. Any of you live in West Omaha? <clears throat> I was not prepared for the amount of lawn care required <laughs> by West Omaha standards, <clears throat> moving here from uh, Boston and Detroit. <clears throat> so I'm going to try to segue with a speech about technology. This is the Nebraska lawnmower circa 1870s. Four legs, one horsepower. Haha, ha, that was funny. Come on, work with me. <clears throat> Put out a lot of poop, required a lot of input. Didn't always listen, would kind of run off whenever it wanted to, might try to kill you. I don't know, they did me. Now we have an updated model. Literally, <clears throat> this is the one my neighbor has on the east side of my house. This is the one my neighbor has on the west side of our house. If you put our three lawns together, we might have a half an acre. <clears throat> Maybe. This, this is my mower. Because <clears throat> where did I come from? I came from a place where who cares about your lawn? Oh, no, 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 no. I laughed. Within three weeks of my moving here, they were trying to sell me a mower. Like, I am not a man because I don't have a riding lawn mower in my neighborhood. Then, then... <clears throat> Once you get the riding mower, ah, there's other technology you have to have. The weed trimmer. Are you familiar with this apparatus? That thing will 
I'm sorry, I'm sorry, weed whacker. My fault, my see? Learn something new every day. I'm trying. I'm trying to become a culturated weed whacker. Okay. All right. Then blower. Is this blower? Is that? Okay, all right. <clears throat> blower, because you can't leave the grass on the sidewalk because that's a problem. Then, then you have to have the trimmer. Edger, edger, thank you, thank you. <clears throat> Clearly I don't have these things, I'm holding out. So that you can actually go through the process of mowing your lawn. This, this, is, this is like a multi-tool event. This is like an all-day thing, I just giggle. Because you've got a thousand square feet of lawn and $10,000 worth of equipment to mow this stuff. So this is my new mower, the BFM 9000. <clears throat> I'm gonna get them next year, they'll see. Thing will do zero to 60. 2.9 seconds, mow an acre of grass in under a minute. Okay, okay, right, so, so what's the point? I'm not here to talk about lawnmowers and grass. Well, I'm here to talk about grass. But the point is, there's a lot of technology being thrown at grass, cannabis. There are cultural norms associated with the use of and how we treat cannabis weed eater versus weed whacker, right? There's nomenclature. <clears throat> There's a lot of things. And what I've discovered, because um, I've lived in states where it was legal medicinally and legal recreationally, there's some knowledge that you need to bring with as you move to other states where it's not quite legal. And <clears throat> how many of you know people, patients, who are smoking cannabis? Right. <clears throat> And I always tell my patients, listen, do not buy your pot from your babysitter's boyfriend. <clears throat> but they do. And do they know what's in it? No. Do they know if it's sativa or indica? No. Does that matter? Yeah, you bet. Absolutely. So, moving on. What kind of plan is that? By the end of the lecture, you'll know just by looking. <clears throat> you gotta know. No, <clears throat> much more expensive. And back in the day, my roommate could only dream of this kind of facility, right? This is in Colorado. Just plant after plant after plant after plant after plant. Remarkable. All right, how about some other nomenclature? What's a joint? What's a spliff? What's a blunt? What's butter with two Ds? Mind you, that's not a typo. <clears throat> In your practice, how do you measure the amount of pot your patients are smoking? You have to have a common language. How does all that play out? How much is a lot? How much is too much? Interesting questions. <clears throat> so, um, butter, weed, and, and, and butter varies, but it's just, it's just like it's supposed to be this waxy-like substance that you ignite and then you inhale the vapors from. These are things that you're, are people here are more likely using. So a joint is just rolled cannabis product. A spliff is cannabis and tobacco. <clears throat> and the blunt is all cannabis, but it's rolled in um, a tobacco product, tobacco paper, 
uh, tobacco leaf, if you will. So you remember, and you may not, but back in the day, like when I was in Detroit, it was common for um, kids to shoot people outside of liquor stores. And what the police found out is that the guys who were going in were refusing to buy the kids cigars because they thought they were going to smoke cigars. What they're going to do is they're going to take out the insides and put the marijuana inside the cigar casing. And they were upset with you when you wouldn't do that. <clears throat> okay, so quantity. How much are people using? <clears throat> I usually go by bowls. This is an example of a bowl here. And when you buy weed, <clears throat> you buy it usually in these quantities. So you'll get a gram, you'll get an eighth, you'll get a quarter, you'll get a half ounce, you get an ounce, or you get a pound. <clears throat> now, this is a lot of cannabis. So <clears throat> if you find somebody who can smoke an ounce in a week or two, they're smoking a lot of product. A lot. It's almost an effortful amount. You almost have to want to smoke that much. Okay. <clears throat> so, yeah, Nebraska needs to think about what their laws are going to look like, for better or worse. We're not quite there yet. Although, <clears throat> I was chatting with um, one of my colleagues here, and he mentioned that we probably did pass a CBD law in the state. He's not going to look at me right now. <clears throat> Um, but it's a little nebulous, and you may be, able, may be able to have THC if it's from industrial hemp. Maybe. Okay. <clears throat> but he's a lawyer, so he's not going to admit to that on tape. Okay, good man, good man. <clears throat> so as I said, we have a culture, but the access to cannabis is outpacing how we treat it as a culture. So... Um, one of the things in Northern California, where a lot of my in-laws live, is that uh, mothers are using cannabis K-cup tea for morning sickness. Tell me, what's the problem there? Right? How many of you in the room are going, mm, that's probably not good, but cannabis is all natural. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> right? <clears throat> yes, so is arsenic and a bunch of other things. Right? I heard that, I heard that, right? <clears throat> Two. If you buy cannabis from your babysitter's boyfriend, you're probably going to get really, really high THC content. And really, really high THC content brings out the negative effect of THC, particularly if you're in a plant with lower CBD. And we'll get into all those kinds, just briefly, get into all those kinds of things. So this is not the Cheech and Chong weed. Even when we were at Dartmouth, the cannabis that we were getting was only 3% THC. So they've hybridized the plants, right? It's not normal marijuana anymore. It's something new. So you have to be really, really aware of <clears throat> what's going on. Now, I had a wonderful, wonderful field sobriety video for you, which unfortunately I can't show you tonight. <clears throat> but it literally goes something like this. I'll do what I can. Canadian Mountie walks up, because they just legalized it in all of Canada, knocks on the window. Person opens the window, a bunch of smoke billows out, and the, the officer says, excuse me, ma'am, I notice you've been sitting here for 20 minutes now. Are you high? And the woman goes, oh, hi. <laughs> and he said, why are you sitting here? And the woman, the passenger says, well, we were waiting for the stop sign to turn green. <laughs> and the officer says, are you high? And he goes, 
oh, hi. And then he turns to the driver and he says, they're so friendly here. <clears throat> and then the officer says, <clears throat> okay, I have a question for you. And then I'll stop after this, but I love this question. Why is a pizza box square when the pizza is a circle and cut into little itty bitty triangles? <clears throat> and they're like, whoa, we don't know. <clears throat> and then he brings out some chips and they try to grab the chip and that's when he arrests them. <clears throat> but, but seriously, how do you do a field sobriety test for people with or have been using cannabis? I mean, we're still sorting out these basic kinds of things. It's really difficult because uh, cannabis, uh, unlike alcohol, doesn't affect everybody similarly. And what you're smoking and the terpenes, the terpenoids, and all these other constituents in the smoke um, change your cognitive response to the smoke. It's this fascinating process. Okay, so decaf kush. Nope, nobody laughed. Okay. <clears throat> um, so cannabidiol, so Kush is a very popular breed of um, uh, cannabis. And we want to talk about CBD or cannabidiol. What is cannabidiol? Is it in cannabis? Yep. Yes, it is. <clears throat> is it THC? Nope. No, it isn't. In fact, it's remarkably different, which is why uh, some people want to use it for various things. People like maybe your physicians, maybe some people in the room. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. Can you possess some forms of CBD in Nebraska legally now? We'll have to discuss that offline, but we'll, we'll get there. <clears throat> okay, so, and remember, if you look online, CBD cures everything. <laughs> so just order some from Amazon, which you can do and it will be just fine. Everything will go away. For in your practice, you don't need your pills anymore. You don't need your Adderall. You don't need your statins. Hell, we don't even need stents anymore. We're just going to give everybody CBD. Okay. <clears throat> so one of the things that, that I think it's important for me to be real overt about is that I'm neither pro-cannabis nor anti-cannabis. I don't care. I just feel like we should all have a common language that we can use to talk about it. You remember when Angels versus Demons came out? Oh God, what was this, 1994 or five, the first, oh is it James? No, it's not James Brown. Dan Brown? Thank you, thank you. <clears throat> and literally, in the town I was living, the people were so afraid they stole the for the video projector in the movie theater. And when the, when the person was caught, they didn't know anything about the book, they didn't know anything about the movie, didn't know anything about anything. Somebody had told him that it was bad. Right? These things happen. How do we as providers, how do we as licensed individuals go about our lives in an era where <clears throat> all you have to do is drive, well, what is it, nine hours to Denver? Man, that's a long drive. <clears throat> to get cannabis. Or just go north. It may even be closer to get to Canada. I don't know. At any rate, we have to understand how THC, CBD, 60 other constituents in the smoke interact to affect what? To affect behavior, to affect thinking. Do you want your 10-year-old smoking? Do you want your 15-year-old smoking? Do you want your 25-year-old smoking? Right? Do you want your 16-year-old patient with epilepsy smoking? Do you want your 18-year-old patient with a grade 4 glioplastoma smoking? Where's that line, right? How does that all play out? <clears throat> okay, so 
as promised. There are two main types of cannabis that we smoke. The first one is indica. It's a little, it kind of looks like ditchweed. It's a little um, kind of scrubby plant. Uh, their medical industry is developing higher CBD breeds because CBD is good. Uh, sativa, which is these big, tall, flowering plants. This is all bud. This is all smokable here. These little buds are the smokable product of the other plant. Um, <clears throat> it gets you more high, and so this is the one the drug dealers like. This is the kind your, your babysitter's boyfriend is most likely to have, plus it's probably laced with some other fun stuff. So, sativa, tall, indica, short. Now, as I mentioned, there are over 80 constituents in the smoke, 80 products. And here's the thing. Even in the same crop, <clears throat> these, they're called terpenoids or terpenes, vary substantially. You cannot get a consistent crop of cannabis, even though many, many, many people try. And it's these products, as I mentioned, that affect us. It's why we like to smoke. Sometimes it's what makes people um, uh, experience psychotic symptoms that can be lasting in some cases. It can be what some people smoke to take care of their chronic pain. Uh, UCSF has done a number of studies involving uh, cancer patients. Those are all pretty famous, right? Decreases nausea, increases appetite, those kinds of things. They were using a vaporizer. Um, <clears throat> we've studied two. We don't know what the rest really do. Plenty of research on the way, but we don't really know what's in the pot that your babysitter's boyfriend is giving you. So as I mentioned, the high or the effect is based on a number of things. Now the thing about, and people argue this, um, <clears throat> getting high uh, while smoking is sort of a self-titrating measure, right? So I take one hit, and if I want to get higher, I take another hit. And if I want to get higher, I take a third hit. And then I pass it to somebody else. Or if you're in Colorado, and this is, let me see. All right, I'm, I'll, get there, I'll get there next. Um, one of the things that, and as I mentioned, the greater the THC and the lower the CBD ratio, the more negative effects there are for our species. As a people, we don't, our bodies don't tolerate that kind of mix well. We seem to appreciate a lower THC, higher CBD content for more medicinal therapeutic uses. Okay, so, um, <clears throat> okay, here we go, all right. So when you all drive to Colorado and you get the little THC cookie, remember that it is six servings. And it takes 30 minutes to digest one serving. So you're not gonna eat it and get high right away. Don't eat the whole cookie. Very bad. You can be too high on THC, you will prove that. Okay, one serving. Two, if you're going to vape, the thing about vaping, and this is, this is also for uh, your patients, um, <clears throat> the thing about vaping is, and, and there's been a lot of vaping news, right? Vaping is bad. Yes? Okay, just trust me, vaping's bad. But here's why. <clears throat> vaping is bad because of two things. One, it's very difficult to tell counterfeit product from real product. The real product will be much more expensive, and so what the counterfeiters have done is they set up a store to look just like the smoke shop on 42nd Street. But hey, everything's 50% off all the time, and yeah, the prices really are cheaper. But the reason is <clears throat> they cut steps, and instead of filtering the product, 
they just made it more intense. And by doing that, any pesticides or herbicides in the product are also more intense. So you get a higher toxin ratio in with the higher THC ratio for a lot of these uh, synthetic uh, vaping products. And so what your uh, clients need to do is look for the warning label and the child proofing on the package. And they're going to spend a little more. Plus, they should be doing it anyway. <clears throat> in part because when you mess with the THC ratio in the absence of the terpenes and the CBD, a lot of people have a very negative outcome. So not only is smoking or vaping THC feel different, it tends to lead to a more negative experience. Okay, so thinking. I specialize in the part of our body that's above our chin. Oh yeah, there it is. And you're like, gee, Matt, what is that? Well, you can kind of see the brain in the background there. That's the white matter pathways, the white matter tracks, right? You all are familiar with this. There's the, uh, you can see the corpus callosum in the background, the arcuate, other kinds of the fasciculi. There's things that run front to back, top to bottom, and left to right. It's beautiful. I'm a complete brain nerd. I love the brain. Never get tired of seeing the brain. <clears throat> and it's intricate. This is a picture of the brain looking up at it, and you can see that it weaves around the little computers, all these networks. It's incredibly tightly packed, and it grows in layers. 100, 150 billion cells on a pre-programmed trajectory altered by life experience until you're in your 20s. This is why 14-year-olds should not drive. <laughs> and 15-year-olds, for that matter. <clears throat> My son's not going to drive till he's 30. <clears throat> I'll never forget, I got him a, one of those 12-volt four-wheeler dealies, you know, like back in the day. He's driving his little four-wheeler, and it took him two minutes to begin to figure out driving if he's got to drag his younger brother behind it. And then they would swap out. So one to get drugged, then the other one to get drugged. And at the end of the day, he gets this from his mother. <clears throat> he comes up and he says, hey, Dad, look what I figured out I could do. And he's doing shitties in this, on the driveway on this thing. He's three and a half. No, not driving till he's 30. <clears throat> so remember, though, that you can alter the structural pathways. You can alter how the brain ultimately develops based on life experience. We are a blank slate shaped by what we come into the world with, give or take a little bit. Certainly there are disorders that affect that, but for the most part, most of the people in this room came in as a healthy blank slate, and then your background shaped who you were gonna become. And I'm not, not talking emotionally, I'm talking physiologically, right? Did you have enough vitamin B? Did you have enough calcium? Did you have enough protein at really critical stages? These kinds of things. <clears throat> so, Brief culture switch so people don't get too bored. I don't want to overscience you. You will hear about people talking about 420. What's 420? 420 is national pot smoking time, daily pot smoking time, hourly pot smoking time. So when my teenager talks about 420, grounded, not leaving the house. So that comes from one of two places. This is the uh, clock in San Francisco at Haight-Ashbury Street that was stuck at 420, and so when people asked if it was time to smoke pot, they'd go, yep, it's 420. Or two, what more likely happened is there was a group of students from Lewis Pasteur High School who would smoke pot after detention. What were they in detention for? 
smoking pot on campus. Then some of them became roadies for the Grateful Dead. That got on with the Grateful Dead, and so 420 is a thing, right? So when you, if you Google 420, don't do this at work, Google 420 from your home computer, and it's this whole cannabis culture that pops up. Everything's 420, 420 this, 420 that. April 20th, there'll be people um, gathering in parks all over Colorado. You'll see it on the news, and they're just smoking it up. So 420, now back to science. Okay, so you smoke pot. And the reason, and, and as you know, the reason that any drug works in our bodies because it, it has a structure that's similar to something that's already in us, right? This, this, isn't, this isn't something you don't know. So the cannabis, THC, mimics anandamide's structure in this endocannabinoid system, which has only been recently discovered, really, and explored. And I think they've now mapped, I think they figure there are about 20 receptors, and they've mapped three or four. And because THC fits in the slot for anandamide, it activates this endocannabinoid system. Now, the endocannabinoid system is involved in sleep, mood, appetite, memory, sex. It affects really important brain structures like the hippocampus, the cerebellum, and the basal ganglia, which are involved in, well, pretty much everything we do. So unfortunately, it's this, this system is a sort of broad-acting system. So kind of like antihistamines affect the brain broadly, this is another drug that affects the brain broadly. And so it naturally affects how it works. And the funny thing is, and this is sort of circling back to my research, is we wanted to see if we could get the Dr. Green's, well, okay, I had three thoughts there. <laughs> Let me back up. Dr. Green, my mentor at Dartmouth, had this theory that part of the disorder of schizophrenia, the, the negative symptoms, were caused by difficulty identifying reward or anticipating reward naturally in the environment. So <clears throat> I tell the story about um, uh, my middle child. I would come home from the office, I'd put my suitcase down, and I would hear swish, 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 swish coming from around the corner, because he's a nudist and he would only wear his diaper. He would strip down. But I'd hear him, it was the sound of his little legs running, swish, swish, swish in his diaper. And he'd come around the corner at warp speed, and I had about three seconds to figure out that I had to get down like Johnny Bench to catch him, because he's not a real great jumper, because he takes after me. So catch him, up in the air we go, and I'd learned, because I'd missed before, and he'd crushed his head on my knees, that I couldn't, I couldn't, I can't miss. Like, I can't miss because he won't stop. He's just like full force. He's like, Daddy, you'll catch me, but I didn't last time. I don't care. So in that moment, you pick him up. The dopamine is releasing in my brain. It's happy goodness because I caught him. I'm smiling. He's smiling. My brain is happy. Endorphins are flowing, right? It's a beautiful family moment. People with schizophrenia don't appreciate that moment, or there's a subgroup that don't tend to appreciate that moment. And so what we did is we built a gambling task. And this is, this is um, magnetic resonance imaging, or MRI data, or more uh, accurately speaking, functional data, where we're looking at changes in brain activity based on hemoglobin and deoxyhemoglobin ratios. And sure enough, <clears throat> when they're winning a ton of money, their brain looks like it does when they're winning nothing. Whereas if you put me in the scanner, my brain lights up like a Christmas tree. It's like, yeah, 10 bucks, woo! And that's part of the difference. 
So Dr. Green's theory was people are using substances of abuse because um, patients with schizophrenia use substances at an incredibly high rate, much higher than you would expect just in the normal population. In fact, at one time, I think the CDC theorized that patients with schizophrenia were smoking 60% of all the cigarettes in the entire nation at one point between 1986 and 1989. You think about that. It doesn't occur very often. That's a huge amount of uh, chemical use. So he says, comes to my door as I mentioned, hey Matt, build me a bong. So we had these people who were not cannabis naive, who were using cannabis in their daily lives. We cleaned them up, got them in the scanner. Um, they were sober for three weeks and then we started to have them smoke. And sure enough, that nucleus accumbens after smoking worked. In fact, it worked great. Holy cow. However, <clears throat> in patients that have, like me, a normally functioning reward system, what happens is it becomes overactivated. And reward anticipation kind of goes, it gets a little haywire, which is where the Cheez-Its come in. Dude, Cheez-It. Mmm. Right? Because some of these pathways affect appetite. Oh, it's the best Cheez-It ever. You never hear that. I want more Cheetos. You know? This is part of where that comes from. So you're taking an already working system and you're hijacking it. That's a negative result. <clears throat> However, there may be some therapeutic mechanisms, not necessarily smoking, but if you could come up with a pharmacologic agent. Yeah, I know there's a dronabinol, but nobody likes dronabinol. Um, in this way, because we had him do dronabinol. We scanned him a whole bunch of times. <clears throat> okay, so then, as I mentioned, you give it to regular people, and the problem is it just primes the system, and it sort of takes over the brain. So you get this, this state of being. They call it the default mode network, right? So now uh, scientists have decided that your brain has seven modes or nodes that are working at all time. One of them is this background rhythm, one of them is for memory, one of them is for attention, um, <clears throat> one of them is for executive processing, one of them is for emotional processing. But there are these systems in the brain that are designed to keep us functioning as people. And what happens is, once you have somebody like me smoking marijuana regularly, it hijacks parts of my brain that shouldn't be active just at rest and it changes how I think. So there's been plenty of research on how um, marijuana can change performance on memory tests, it can change performance on executive function tests. How does it do that? Well, one of the ways it does that, if you smoke regularly for about a month, it reduces the brain's ability to inhibit. And for those of you that are guys, you will know that in our heads, that's the number one thing that makes us successful. No, don't do that. No, stop that. No, don't do that. You know. It's, it's that inhibitory loop. That was a little funny. Okay, maybe not. All right, all right. Women too. No, okay, all right, moving on. <clears throat> um, it, it, it begins to affect how these systems work. The, this, the integrity of the system is impacted. And this is the issue with recreational use, is that it is, the, the end result is that it is taking, um, <clears throat> for most of the people, a well-working brain and making it work less efficiently. Okay, so <clears throat> also 
I mentioned earlier, and this is some of the work that uh, Stacy Gruber is doing at Harvard, wonderful work. If you take and you let people smoke cannabis before the age of 16 and they're smoking fairly routinely, uh, I mentioned the cellular migration that occurs into your 20s. It affects that cellular migration. And these brains look different on MRI, and the kids function differently in daily life. They're more likely to have difficulties with attention. They're more likely to abuse other substances. Now, not that cannabis is a gateway drug, but that they're altering really important things like brain reward circuitry too early. Right? We don't let people drink till they're 21. Why? Because in many states they tried 18 and it was a disaster. Right? Some of you are probably old enough to remember some of that, maybe not. Um, <clears throat> we have to let the brain firm up. It has to finish myelinating, right? That's, that's the last little bit. Okay. So why are these things important? Why is, is, it, is it substantial enough to be problematic? Well, yeah. <clears throat> Right? This, this, these, these, are, these are really important things that you can't, um, in some cases, you can't alter what's been done. And then the downstream effects, you know, they, they can be fairly serious. The interesting thing is, and, and Stacy just published this um, literally like five months ago, I want to say. Um, people who use marijuana medicinally for pain, uh, to deal with cancer, whatever it may be. I don't know so much about anxiety, but to deal with a physical malady. Their brains look more healthy. And their brains don't show the cognitive side effects that the recreational users tend to show when they come in to see us. So there may be an avenue, it's hard to say, there may be an avenue for a regulated medicinal marijuana or therapeutic cannabis pathway. And again, you don't want people smoking up in their homes, but there may be a way to get them that drug through tincture, uh, through vaping, through edibles, that may help them and not be as impactful as it is for folks who are just smoking recreationally. The other point of Stacy's study was that 50% of people in her study got off opioids altogether and were functional, very functional off of opioids. They tended to sleep better, and they tended to report less overall pain. Not everybody, but a subset. So the first study of its kind. All right, so CBD. Um, it's not very addictive. Those of you who know what Ativan is, it's a very lovely drug. I had it once. It was good. Um, but. Two milligrams of Ativan, and, and they, they, they did this in a within-subjects design, so they had people come in and they had them take Ativan and Xanax and um, I forget what the third one is. Well, I'm not going to remember. And then they took uh, CBD up to 4,500 milligrams. And two milligrams of Ativan was rated as being more pleasant and ultimately was rated as being more addictive and 4,500 milligrams of CBD. So we have some room there, fairly safe. It's not psychoactive. THC is psychoactive. THC affects your behavior. CBD tends to not. Not very addictive. People will use it for pain. Um, it's not particularly good, just like raw. Um, and by raw, I mean in the absence of THC. So if the stuff you get from Amazon, it's a little helpful, but it's not necessarily great um, from what I've been told. Uh, it can help in some cases with anxiety. So there may be a point in time where 
instead of prescribing, well, I don't know, a couple of Xanax for people that are going on an airplane, or for college students or professionals who are giving speeches, that maybe they just take a little uh, CBD oil instead of some other kinds of medications. We're not there yet, but that may be something that happens in the future. Uh, there is also uh, some dosing, and so the nice thing about CBD is it's not like the more the better. There's like a dosing window. There's a curve. So there, there's like somewhere between 300 and 600 milligrams is rated better at controlling anxiety than 800 milligrams, which is again probably why it's not overly addictive. And your pets can eat it and it won't kill them. Yay. How many pet owners are there? Good, don't let them eat your pot, okay. <clears throat> all right, it can kill pets. Okay, so um, what do I have here? All right, so this is sort of the end, um, and, and I want to leave some time for questions, but uh, you know, the, the, I, I think of things that happen in the country as a, like a pendulum, right? It swings one way and then it swings the other. And once it goes one way, you kind of have to bring it back, right? You can't, we don't, even, even politically speaking, it goes one way, and then you'll find a group of people who are trying to rein it in, and then it goes one way, and people are trying to rein it in. And it's the same thing for cannabis, right? It, it's sort of a free-for-all in some states. Some access in most states. How do we rein it in? How do we, how do we regulate it? How do we think about cannabis? That's, that's essentially the point of my talk, is just to begin to think about and give some rubrics for thinking about cannabis use uh, in and around us. Thank you folks, appreciate your patience.